Welcome, everybody, to our Kingdom Link podcast. Man, we are excited for this episode here today. We have got some great things in store for you, and we have a very special guest with us today. We're so excited to introduce her with us today. Uh, Right now, we're going to be talking about this episode on leadership etiquette. Leadership etiquette, it is something that is so important, or should be so important, to every leader out there, because we are the messengers of God, we are the voices of God, and we need to be our best. Man, I'm excited for today's episode, and I'm always excited and happy to have my father with me, Tim W. Gill. Dad, why don't you go ahead and just greet everybody today? Amen. Man, it's great to be back again in the the recording studio here and uh, talking about Kingdom Link. Uh, Kingdom Link is all about, as our title says, as our name says, about linking the generations from uh, uh, one generation to another in leadership, uh, from you know those that are older to those that are younger, I think is very important. And uh, our our motto here is that leadership only matters if it is passed on. And the Bible teaches us about that succession planning and mentoring. And one of the best, one of the very best mentors and succession planners that I know is with us today. And uh, not only that, she is uh, a beautiful lady. Ow! <laughs> and I love her dearly, but it is uh, my lovely wife, Faith. Faith Gill, we are so glad, honey, that you're here with us today. And uh, we're going to be talking about a very important topic to our hearts and uh, seeing uh, how we can help others in leadership etiquette and ethics and doing our best to present ourselves to honor God and bless His kingdom. We're glad to have you here today, honey. Will Thank you just you. say hello, whatever you <laughs> want to say to our audience today? Welcome to Kingdom Link Podcast. Your first time, but not your last. Well, thank you. I don't know about that, but thank you. Uh, I'm proud of you all. I love this podcast, and uh, I've, I'm a proud listener and a fan. Listen to all of your episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm the daughter of a preacher. I'm the wife of a preacher, and I'm the mother of a preacher. So I've spent a lot of times listening to preachers. Yes, you have. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like to give this disclaimer. I'm not an expert on matters relating to preachers. I'm not an expert on any preachers except the ones in my life. Uh, I feel like I have been a student of you, of my husband, uh, Mm. for almost 38 years. I'm your biggest fan. Uh, I'm your most ardent protector. (laughs) And I've spent the majority of my life supporting you. And I think sometimes uh, that support comes in the form of giving honest and loving feedback or of uh, what I call the view from the pew. Yeah. Because you, as a minister, you don't always know how you're perceived, how you're coming across, how your message is being received. And uh, it's good to have somebody that can give you that view from the pew. Absolutely. So I've tried to do that for you. I think the best gift a uh, minister can have, besides the Holy Ghost, is a godly praying wife. Absolutely. That's that's the truth. And and I want to also make this uh, very well known about about you, is that you are connected with the ministers in our lives, our family, and uh, you are the biggest fan of the ministry mm-hmm. and to us individually, and we appreciate that. But you're also a fantastic uh, speaker, 
Absolutely. delivers uh, the word of God in a mm-hmm. way that is it is a, a, such a blessing. And so, thank you know, you. I appreciate that very, well, very you. much. And uh, um, this this opportunity that we have with Kingdom Link, our goal is to help someone. Right. We want to help you that are leaders, preachers, uh, students of the Bible, workers in the church, ministry leaders, be your best. And it's something that we've talked about here before, mm-hmm. David and I, we have talked about here before, is constantly working on our craft, our gift. And uh, last week we talked about uh, pulpit preparation. And so this week is, is we're kind of tying into it with our leadership etiquette. You know, there's got to be a protocol that we follow on the platform. Right. And so with that, uh, would you just, just begin sharing with us some of the, the things that I love that, the view from the pew. Amen. That ought to be a podcast in itself. Yeah. <laughs> the view well, from the I, pew. I think that's an interesting viewpoint because I know, you know, sitting from a minister's seat, whenever I'm listening to someone preach, I'm not looking in more or less the way they're presenting, I'm looking at what they're presenting, mm-hmm. as yeah. in the message itself, because that's just you know my viewpoint, that's mm-hmm. what I'm looking at. But it's really good to hear the view from the pew, because right. then you get to see, right. well, I don't want to do something half-heartedly, or make what I'm doing lesser than because of my appearance, or the way I act. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because we've said it before, that, you know, People say that the preaching is the most important part of the service. Well, if that is true, then we don't need to be going up there looking like a slob, (laughs) or we don't need to act like a slob, or you know, or just have a horrible attitude. We need to have the best posture. You know, we need to make sure that we're put together. Yes, Mm -hmm. and so understanding that it's very important thing. Well, Paul said, "Let all things be done decently." And in order. But the thing about that is found in 1 Corinthians 14. It is referring to the operation of gifts. Right. From chapter uh, 12, 13, and 14 has a lot to do with gifts. Love is sandwiched in there in chapter 13. But in chapter 14, he's talking about how that we ought to do it. God's not the author. That's the chapter that has the verse, God is not the author of confusion, Mm -hmm. uh, but of peace as in all the churches of the saints. And so let our thing be done decently in order. Decently is in seemingly manner. It's the outward fashion Mm -hmm. in order is the character and quality. Mm -hmm. So it's not just about the character and quality of how we lead and present and speak it is also important that it be done decently. Mm. And with right, that, right. share with us some some views from the pew. Well, I think one uh, a sad thing, and I've seen this many times, is a minister that has spent hours on preparation and prayer and has a word from God, and then because of something he does, inadvertently even, mm-hmm. it's, he's such a distraction that the message is lost. Yes, that's a good and point. And I think, I think that's, uh, that's too bad. I think that's too bad. Uh, now, that being said, I'm a details person, so I notice details. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that's good and sometimes not so good. Uh, and I've had people say, well, does it really matter? We, should, uh, we shouldn't be distracted by things. We should keep mm-hmm. our mind uh, where it's it. supposed to mm-hmm. be. Absolutely. Be above it. But God 
is a God of details. Absolutely. And uh, when he was given Moses instructions for building the tabernacle, he was extremely detailed. Sure was. And um, there is more space given to the building of the tabernacle in the Old Testament than anything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are 15 chapters of Exodus, thir- 300 verses that are just dedicated to the tabernacle. That's some details. Absolutely. That's some details. There's no other thing that's given more consecutive chapters in the Bible than the tabernacle. Yeah. And do you, did it really matter that the boards were set in silver sockets? Or did it really matter what kind of skins covered the tent? Mm. I mean, that's, that's no. a lot of details. Right. But it mattered because God was teaching his people how to approach him. Yes. He said, this is where I'll meet you. Yes. So it mattered where they were. The importance of it. Exactly. This is how you come to me. So it mattered that that was prepared. And that's an important part of the minister's job is to usher the people into the presence of right. God. Right. So right. I think the details matter. And I think it matters. I think it matters greatly how it's done. And um, so if the preacher gets up and looks like a rumpled mess, mm-hmm, if he looks mm-hmm. like he just rolled out of bed, uh, doesn't really know what's going on, doesn't know the order of the service, mm-hmm. gets all the prayers messed up, all the names messed up for prayer, sits like a bump on a log until it's his turn, you can't expect God to bless that mess. Right. God cares about details. Yes, he does. And you certainly can't expect the people in the pew to overlook it. Well, That's you can't really say... Uh, okay, get on. Get, uh, a minister get to the platform and say, "Let's give God our best," you know. And he looks like, or you said, just rolled out of bed mm-hmm. and right. uh, is not paying attention to what's going on. Absolutely. Well, I think it's such a high and holy calling. It's higher than the calling of a monarch or a president. It's a. It's such a holy. I don't know another a better word for it. It's such a holy calling, and it extends to his family as well. I know we're not talking about family today, but. Um, just a little side note, the minister that's married, the family, the wife's actions can either bless or ruin his ministry. That's so that, true. Absolutely. And so it matters. Um, somebody said, the higher in leadership you go, the fewer rights you have. Hmm. And I believe that's true because as a minister, you don't have the right to act on impulse. Absolutely. When you become angry, you can be angry, but you don't have the right to act on that in anger. You don't have the right to spout your opinion on every matter yeah. and think there's no consequences. That's right. And that goes for the family as well. Details matter. Details Absolutely. matter. Yes, One of my main things, um, possibly a pet peeve, is uh, we need ministers that are engaged in the service. Amen. <laughs> even when they aren't behind the pulpit, or maybe right. we should say especially when they aren't behind the pulpit, Right. Uh, to be engaged Um Sit at attention, to be mindful. David already mentioned this, to be mindful of your posture. It's not a time to relax in the seat. It's not a time to, to sit back and uh, and sip on your water. Cross your legs. Cross your legs. Mm-hmm. Stand straight. Walk with authority and purpose. Get it actively involved in the service. Worship with the praise yes. team. I think a minister should expect to receive the level of participation during his message that he gave during the service. <sighs> That, yeah, that, just, yeah, that needs repeated. <laughs> yeah, we, we want you to repeat that again because I think uh, you know every every leader that's in front of people, every minister that's in front of people and leading people needs to hear this. Absolutely, say that again. I think the minister should expect to receive the level of participation during his message that he gave during the service. Oh man, that's, that's so good. powerful because. It goes down to the basics of leadership, whereas 
as Jesus set the example for the church, Mm -hmm. leaders are to set the example of those that they lead. Well, Paul said, follow me (laughs) Yeah, as I follow Christ. And so if you're sitting there, like mom said, on a bump on a log and... A pet peeve of mine is like when a preacher would get up. Yeah. (laughs) When, you know, worship's going on, they sit there, they don't do anything, either they're talking or something, then they get up and preach on praise. And then they want you to get up there and hoop and holler whenever they wouldn't even get behind on Mm -hmm. song service. And it's just not, that's not how it works. Because if you're behind the pulpit and called to be a leader, you are to lead. So. That exactly. level of expectancy goes both ways. It does. And and it's really difficult for people to get connected to a person who is saying, do this, do as I say. Not as I do. But not mm-hmm. as I do. Well, and it goes all over the building, too. It's not just, I don't think, it's just during service. Uh, we have prayer yes. before service. If we don't mm-hmm. see our ministers in there then lifting up their voices lifting Absolutely. up their voices mm-hmm. then it's it can become an excuse for those in the pew then to say when he's leading in prayer and he's saying raise your hands and pray well you didn't want to go <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely that's awesome uh, another thing is i don't um <clears throat> i think we should never be a distraction yeah um uh, the devil will do his part to bring distractions absolutely in a service but I don't think they should ever become, the distractions should ever come because of the behavior of the preacher or because of your person, your right. attire, your lack of preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think preachers should be ready, be prepared to say preachers because it's not just pastors. It's evangelists, missionaries, Absolutely. ministers, any type of preacher. A minister in a local church. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I think they should be prepared. You know if you're going to speak. Right. Rarely anymore do you get called and have to speak off the cuff mm-hmm. immediately. Absolutely. You know if you're going to. So have your things ready. Uh, I've seen this before where uh, you, honey, would introduce a, a speaker we were having, and they had to, we had to wait then while you held awkwardly held out the microphone, and, <laughs> and they're getting their Bible, and they're getting their iPad, and they're getting shuffling their notes around. You know you're going to speak. Be ready. Right. Be, Be prepared. Ready. Right. Be prepared. Yes. Um, that's a destruction. Uh, and. A distraction when you're not. I think you should also be mindful of your appearance. Mm-hmm. Now, this is just a, a personal thing that came from my mother, but my mother always taught our our local ministers to keep your coat on when you're preaching. Absolutely. Um, I know you're working hard, and yeah. I know it's hot. Yeah. Um, but a sloppy shirt can be distracting. Yes, it can. Yeah. You know, it's um, I've. I remember having a conversation with you about this <laughs> um, when we had first gotten married, and we were evangelizing and traveling around the country preaching, and I am prone to preach hard and sweat. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just talked about it one time because I, I never was one to, to feel comfortable taking my jacket off and preaching. But... Uh, after we discussed it, I, I made a, a determination in my heart that I was not going to take my jacket off because I knew what a sweaty shirt looks like. Mm-hmm. I know that that's a distraction. And uh, sure, I want to be comfortable. They tell us, uh, whoever they are, but the, the <laughs> experts, they, uh, tell us that a, a, a Pentecostal-style preacher that preaches 30 minutes is, is the equivalent of working eight hours. I believe that. A strain on the body. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, yes, it's hard work. But for me, I mean, I know there's guys that take their coat off, and that's that's fine. 
But for me, I think it's a distraction. But also, it is liberating because if I'm preaching with my coat on, I'm not worried about my appearance. Right, as much. Well, and I think a part of that is teaching the mindset that a minister should have, which is the mindset to pay attention to your details. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you could be someone who is prone to more sweating, you know, or prone to getting more hot. Mm-hmm. And you know that now. So obviously you can pay attention that more. Mm-hmm. And so even though you're like, I'm doing this as in keeping my jacket on because I want to still be, put my best foot forward. Mm-hmm. Right. I still want to be presentable. I don't right. want to look sweaty and nasty and like a slob, mm-hmm. you know, even though I may be uncomfortable for this next hour or so, at least it's going to put a better appearance mm-hmm. forward. And, and, and you want people to hear you. Right. Right. And, and, receive, if, from and receive. So if they're not receiving from you because of a simple thing like that, then to me, um, I, I think it's better to keep your coat on. Absolutely. Well, these aren't hard and fast rules. These aren't no. laws. Right, no, right. No. These are opinions. These right. are opinions that we're sharing, but uh, the effort is to to be excellent. Well, and at the end of the message, at the end of the service, had you rather hear the feedback, boy, you sure looked hot tonight. <laughs> your shirt was stuck to your mm-hmm. to your back, or would you rather hear that point you made about because mm-hmm. and and they got the point because they weren't distracted by the appearance. Yes, appearance can be very distracting. That's a yeah. good point. Uh, I think it's important if if I can just get plain. I think it's important that you keep your hands out of your pockets. Okay. Stand up straight. That's keep your good. hands out of your pockets. Uh, Fiddling with your keys in hey, your pocket. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then as far as the appearance, it, this is not about uh, fine suits or lesser suits. It's not about money. No. But uh, shine your shoes, that's free. Shine your shoes, Mm. run a lint roller over your coat. Dark suits are lint magnets, Mm -hmm. and that's a distraction. That's a distraction. Uh, Check your collar. Shirt collars are notorious for flipping up in the back. I I just, that's the bane of my preaching existence. (laughs) That or the pockets on the sides of suit jackets. Because preachers will put their hands in there, and Mm -hmm. then they'll be like, Flipped weird or anything uh-huh. like that, and then that's what gets me. Keep your hands out of your pockets; it won't happen. Exactly. There you go. Exactly. There you go. But these are just things that are distractions. That again, we should be from the pew. We should be above it. We should mm-hmm. be able to overlook it. But there's somebody that won't. Right. There's yeah. somebody that your flopping tie is a distraction, and so I don't hear what you say. And that might be the very person that needs to be that here. God's trying to get mm-hmm. to. Absolutely. Exactly. So. Another thing is to be mindful of mannerisms. Um, first of all, I don't know how y'all do it when anytime I have to speak, even right now, I've got notes in front of me. If I got up and had to, uh, preach extemporaneously like you all, all do, I don't know my name. I couldn't put, I couldn't string words together, but we, uh, most of us have distracting habits that we might not be aware of. That's true. Uh, Absolutely. Using filler phrases. Mm-hmm. Come on, everybody! Come on, everybody! <laughs> you know, praise the Lord, everybody! Your praise hands. The... Yes, fill amen, 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 amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or adjusting your clothes. It might be a nervous habit. Sure, right. Uh, pulling at your collar, adjusting your clothes, checking your nose, pulling at your ears—just something. Uh, it may be you may be doing things that you're not even aware of mm-hmm. because again, Absolutely. it's just habit. It's mannerisms. So this is a good time to ask your wife. 
Mm. Uh, or listen to yourself. Watch yourself. Mm-hmm. Watch yourself. Listen to yes. yourself on podcast and listen all the way through, not just mm-hmm. for the high points. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and listen and see: Are you repeating some things, yeah. filler words, or watch your watch yourself on live stream and see how you're uh, how you're coming across? Yeah, absolutely. It's a distraction. You know, it, I, I've uh, back back in the I think it would be the early two thousands. There was a very popular preacher that preached all over the country, and he had a little tick in his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And I watch his young preachers get the tick, <laughs> caught the tick, caught it, caught the tick. You know, it's just like it was contagious. Mm-hmm. But it is, and and that very well may be in that man's, uh, you know, something with his nerve and mm-hmm. his sure. shoulder or something. Sure. And but it's funny how people then pick up that. Mm-hmm. Even subconsciously, right, mm-hmm. and right. pick it up. I think it's very important to to watch those kinds of things. Another thing to be mindful of uh, is to know that my attention is directed to where you're looking. Mm. So when you're on the platform and you're distracted, so am I. Mm-hmm. So if you look at your phone, I'm reminded. Oh, I better I better check my phone. Mm-hmm. If you pick up your iPad and start making notes on your iPad, then I need to. I'm just reminded of my iPad. I need to do that too. Um, I've had many people comment to me through the years that babies don't seem to bother you. They'll say, babies don't seem to bother Pastor Gill when he's mm. preaching. And sometimes that's true. Yeah. Sometimes it's not. But many times <laughs> you've remarked to me later about what a distraction they were. Yeah. But through the years you've trained yourself not to react. Mm-hmm. Because when you're noticeably distracted by something, then so is the congregation. Yeah. If you ignore the crying babies, I try to as well. But if you are distracted by them and watch their moms carry them out and it distracts you, then it distracts me. Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. That's a really good point. I think one thing that I've seen before that I've found distracting is, and it could be people I know, they'll take their notes on their phone. Right. And so there'll be a preacher up there. I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say they were taking notes. <laughs> Why, sure. But, dude, that looks like you're texting. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that doesn't look good either. Right. Because you see, you go to all these different, you know, camp meetings, mm-hmm. conferences, and you'll see all these guys up there looking like they're texting. Right. And you're like, come on, man. You know, I understand. If you've got a problem with that, buy the CDs or, you know, <laughs> buy the reruns of the service, whatever. You know, it's just a distraction because then you've got, people, they're like, well, it looks like they're texting, so it must be okay, so I'm Mm going to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Because they're going to assume that you're doing what they would do. Absolutely. And I'm I'm sitting in the pew. I'm not making notes for my message. I'm not checking on the prayer request list. Mm -hmm. I would be doing Mm -hmm. something else on my phone, so I assume that's what you're doing too. Another thing about using devices is it may just seem like a moment to you, Mm-hmm. But it could be, in reality, it could be much longer. Much longer, yeah. And I've watched preachers be on their device through the majority of the worship, mm. and they probably didn't realize they were on it that long. Yeah. But that amount of time, for that full amount of time, that preacher was a distraction right. to the people. It looks like they're not engaged. Well, they're not. Right. They're on their phone. And uh, I, I think, for me, I want to be engaged in worship because... First of all, that's what I'm commanded to do is to right. worship mm-hmm. the Lord. But I feel a better flow to the message. Well, and you're connected if, to the if, service. Yeah, right. If I'm connected to the service in that. So it is, I think it is very poor etiquette, pulpit etiquette, to be disengaged and uh, 
not look like you're a part of what's going on. Well, mm-hmm. I think a good rule of thumb is don't do on the platform what you don't want to see in the pew. Mm. <laughs> that's so a good, that's good point. If you're going to leave the platform, I'm not talking about mm-hmm. for worship. I'm just talking about right. leave the platform and walk out. Do you want us to all do that? Mm. Uh, if you're going to eat candy or mints or yawn or talk or be on your devices, mm-hmm. is that what you want the congregation to do? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think a good rule of thumb is don't do it if you don't want us to do it. Mm. That's a good point. <laughs> I think another thing is being on time. Oh, I, I've that's seen a, good a lot one. of ministers come in halfway through worship. And then they'll just come up and sit with the pastor or something like that. And then I'm like, now, if you're late, you know, because of traffic or something, you're evangelist, that's one thing. But if you're there and you're just sitting in the office in the back and then wait for your moment, that's, <laughs> that's a but, pet peeve of mine. Oh, you just blew it up. It's, it's, it's the truth, though. A lot of times it's waiting for the moment. And um, I think that that is something to be very cautious about. <laughs> I agree. I think another uh, point for preachers is the necessity to control your spirit. Mm. Mm -hmm. The Bible teaches us that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Right. So in other words, you control how you act. Yes. But it is a distraction. It is a detriment to their ministry when ministers react or act in a way that they're not in control of their spirit. Even if they apologize, mm-hmm. even if they make it right, that right. scar is there. Yes, absolutely. That scar is there. It makes me think Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, offered strange fire before the Lord, and uh, they died. Mm-hmm. And their cousins carried their bodies out of the tabernacle. And Moses told Aaron and his sons, Do not let your hair become unkempt. Mm-hmm. And do not tear your clothes or you will die. Mm-hmm. And the Lord will be angry with the whole community. So if you can get the picture, these cousins, they're standing over the dead bodies of their cousins. This father's standing over the dead body of his sons, and he's being told, don't cry because you've got prescribed duties to carry out. Wow, that is a... <laughs> and I think, I don't That's think it's, it's maybe quite as as uh, vivid as that. But there will be times in your life as a minister that you're going to have to put personal feelings aside yes. and carry out prescribed duties. Yes. Right. And uh, a personal example that I can think of is last year, we left my mother's bedside from her, her deathbed and came to the church and ministered at a funeral of one of the saints of the church. Yes. Just hours later, just hours after them taking her body out of the home. And we carried out our prescribed duties. Right. And mm-hmm. we wept behind closed doors. Yeah. So I, it's not to say you that you become a stone without feelings. Right. But you don't allow your feelings to interfere with your God-given duties. Yeah. Right. You control your spirit. Uh, and it's not just sadness or grief. Mm-hmm. It's anger. Mm-hmm. I've heard ministers preach mad before and sure. not mad at sin or mad at the devil, mad at somebody mm-hmm. yes. in the congregation right. and or it's something that they said or did that doesn't bring glory to God and it certainly doesn't feed the sheep. No, it doesn't. Well, and I think that just also speaks of character in itself. Yes. Because, you know, you gave the example of, you know, the family going and helping with the funeral when BB had just passed. Well, then, you know, I have, heard people saying, can you imagine their grandmother just died and they're 
helping console me right now. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's your it, duty. It, well, and it's <laughs> stuff like people see that. Yes. It's not that I think a lot of times, and we've said this, uh, we said this last week, uh, or the, our last episode that people aren't stupid. Mm-hmm. They, they see those things. Absolutely. Yes. They know when Absolutely. you're hurting, but trying to console or uh-huh. trying to push that aside so that you can do your duties. Mm-hmm. People right. see that. Right. People can tell when you're hurting. And then that just, that shows you the character that's inside of you. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that, you know, we always need to strive for is our character. And it's just dealing with that as emotions. Well, and we're human. We're going to get angry. Yeah. We're going to get sad. Yep. We're going to get mad. All of that. But we have to control it. And um, when you're behind the pulpit and you're preaching, if you're, and I know there are times that you weep, but if you're weeping uncontrollably to where we can't understand what you're saying, then that message is lost. Absolutely. That portion is lost. And if you are um, upset, you're excited, you're mad, you're whatever the emotion is, mm-hmm. and your speech gets so rushed mm-hmm. that we can't understand you, that's right. another time to go back and listen to yourself. Are you so rushed we can't understand? If we can't understand the message, it's lost on us. Yes. You know, the, uh, uh, connected to that is you quoted the verse of Scripture, the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. And uh, I think sometimes uh, those in the pulpit feel like the anointing gives them an excuse for uncontrolling their vocal ability. <laughs> and so it's right. like, you know, I, I think it's important that we we watch the volume mm-hmm. and and the cadence it's important that we know that there are some times you lift your voice loudly. Absolutely. There are other times that it is inappropriate. And uh, if you're just screaming, if a person is just screaming and their voice is very shrill, mm-hmm. you know, people are not going to receive it that way. I think mm-hmm. it's good to hear your voice and say, is that something that's easy to listen to or is it something I can do to make that better? Right. And uh, so... Uh, I think when the anointing begins to flow, that's an, an adrenaline uh, charge that's unlike any other thing in this world. Right. But it's still important for that 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 minister to say, "I'm going to control myself mm-hmm. in 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 this volume, mm-hmm. in this moment." And because uh, I've seen those guys, and this is just a pet peeve that they start at such a high decibel <laughs> there's mm-hmm. else to that go. there's nowhere else to go. <laughs> and so you get it, it's at that, <clears throat> and I, I, it's something that I've had to tr- try to work on myself. Right. But I think it's just improving your craft and trying to be better at it. Well, and I've always felt bad to see a minister who the anointing came in and mm. then they hit that top point and they just stayed at that top point for a really long time then it got to where they lost their voice, mm-hmm. and then you could tell that they weren't done with their message, mm-hmm. but then they just can't continue anymore mm-hmm. because it's just gone. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just a, a sad feeling as a minister to see that because you're like, I know he's got more to say. He just can't do it. Mm-hmm. And so that makes you want to say, I never want to get to that point. Right. Cause, and I've, I've done it too, where you just lose your voice, mm-hmm. and then you just got to cut everything short. Because you cannot say another word, just yeah. about, and it just 
it ruins the aspect sure. of it. Well, I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying when you turn into stones or automatons and no. not have any right. ups or any downs. Or have any emotions. Exactly, exactly. But um, if when sorrow comes to your life, you can't control your emotions to the degree that you can't preach, mm-hmm. then you've just hurt the message when you say, God is a loving God, God mm-hmm. is a supportive God, God is there, He, he keeps yes. us, then all of a sudden it, your, your, your actions are betraying what you've said. Mm-hmm. You're not professing what you preached. Yeah, and I think it's important in those moments to be transparent. Absolutely. To be open and honest, but not losing it. Right. Because how right. can I say God is my peacekeeper and I'm losing it? Exactly. And so I think that that's a very important part of of etiquette in the pulpit and platform manners. Well, as the congregation, we want to be part of the moving of God. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. exciting to me. Um, I've never gotten tired of preaching. Preaching is the most exciting part to me. I love it. But uh, we, I want to be part of it, and I want to see where we're going, and I want there to be highs. Mm-hmm. And I want there to be a time for me to take a breath mm-hmm. and rest for a minute, mm-hmm. but I want there to be that. I want to be part of the moving of God, and we want to follow you. We want to follow where you're leading, but we have to understand you mm-hmm. to be Absolutely. able to do that. And uh, that takes controlling your spirit. Controlling your spirit. That's a good, good point. I think with that, it's that you need to learn how to control and find your flow. Mm-hmm. Because you can hit those high points. And I I personally love you know when I see a preacher hitting those high mm-hmm. points. You see that zeal. You see mm-hmm. that passion. It's mm-hmm. understandable. You can get with that. You can applaud. You can amen, and it feels great. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you have to stay at that constant high the entire no. time. You can still come back down and even go back up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, it's that flow that you find yourself mm-hmm. in. Then you really get the congregation involved Absolutely. and the Holy Spirit's moving. Mm-hmm. And that's what really impacts people to when you can drive those passion statements, drive that passion, mm-hmm. but then the spirit can still fall and hit somebody mm-hmm. in, the mini- uh, in the process of ministry. Right. Absolutely. Right. It, it, something else is kind of shifting gears here to another topic that I think is a... Uh, I think I, uh, that every preacher should be very mindful of. And I've watched some very good preachers, dynamic preachers, who lose me a little bit in their presentation because they don't make eye contact. There you go. (laughs) I think eye contact is important. and uh, To a certain degree. I think... I uh, (laughs) I don't like getting death stared at. Well... (laughs) Not unrelenting. Yeah. It's it's glance. Yes. It's Mm -hmm. look here, look there, look to the left, look through the right. Connect. It is connecting with people. It's not just getting, you know, locked in gauge. But, um, you know, I've watched people that, that they, they look up to the sky. They look up to the ceiling, left to right. That's distracting. And it is distracting because you want to say, hey, down here, mm-hmm. come, you know, just, just... Or we look up to see what you're looking at. Yeah. <laughs> and so I think it's really important to at least, not necessarily do you have to have direct eye contact, but a minister should at least scan the congregation from time to time, side to side. <laughs> and look in the general vicinity of people <laughs> that he's speaking to. Absolutely. Does that sound like a pet peeve of mine? A little bit. Uh, is, is that, but, well, we've uh, given a list, and I've still got more on my list, but I think one of the best scriptures, one of my favorite scriptures, 
uh, for this is 1 Timothy 4 and 12. Mm-hmm. It says, Be thou mm-hmm. an example of the believers mm-hmm. in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. And to me, that we can talk about not putting your hands in your pockets. We can talk about cadence mm-hmm. and, and controlling your spirit. But I think it's all wrapped up in this verse here. He doesn't say, set the example. He says, you be the example. example. And when you break that down, that verse down, he's telling us to be an example or to become the pattern in word. That's what we say. That's our manner of conversation. So that's both in the pulpit and out of it. It matters what we say. Mm -hmm. In conversation, that's our behavior, our deportment, our manner of life. That's just how we live. Right. We're to be an example in that. In charity, that's love or how we treat others, both saved and unsaved. Uh, <clears throat> in spirit, how we act, our attitude, do we govern our passions. In faith, that's our confidence in God, acting as though we believe what we profess to believe. And then the last one was purity, how we present our bodies. That's our chasteness of life. Mm-hmm. It matters how you act Absolutely. as a Christian, but especially as a representative of God, it matters how you act off the platform also. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the most like, <laughs> we say it all the time, but we very rarely see it. As in like the minister, you'll get up and preach and then you'll see him on a midweek and he's, you know, just the complete opposite, mm-hmm. you know, and that's when you see a true leader who is the same every yes. time you yes. see him. And that's, in my opinion, for me, what's worked for me is to see those kind of the men, whether it be, you know, in your church, your pastor, your bishop, you know, someone in your district or even nationally, you find that person that you've seen day in and day out be mm-hmm. the same Consistent. and it does. You don't necessarily model your life after them, but try to be consistent like yes, them. Yeah. Yes. You know, Papa Bishop Waltz. He's someone who's consistent right. day in and day out. Amen. That's something you want to model your life mm-hmm. after. Absolutely. Because just the consistency in his character, in mm-hmm. his wisdom, and his uh, the way he presents himself. Mm-hmm. That's something that leadership should strive towards. And and I think we should never forget the humbling fact that a person that is called into the ministry is is to carry out a sacred mm-hmm. a sacred mission. Mm-hmm. And that is not speaking about God, but speaking for God. Mm-hmm. You better watch out. So <laughs> I must not misrepresent God oh, in my, my life. Right. I need to re- represent him to the best of my ability and depend upon him for my own salvation. Yes. But I, I think that I need a when 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 a person steps behind a pulpit, whether it is a big pulpit, a little pulpit, or just one big enough to put your iPad on, or no pulpit, <laughs> or if it's a flat table, it when a person opens up to deliver the word of God, they are stepping stepping into a sacred responsibility, That's true. Mm-hmm. and that sacred responsibility must be looked at with awe and reverence, and. Uh, there's a little plaque on our pulpit here in, yeah. in the church, and it says, Touch Not the Book. And it's referring to a song that one of our our golden uh, pillars, pillars uh, <laughs> he's gone on to be with the Lord today, but, but Brother Shepherd would sing an old song, Touch Not the Book. That, that was speaking about, be careful how you handle right. the book. And if we... 
if we look at, at the scribes and we look at those that translated scripture over the years, is that they were so meticulous. Mm-hmm. They were worried about what they wore. They'd come to the name of God. They would stop and go wash Goodness. before they would write the name God. It is get new ink. It get new ink. It was new quill. new quill. It was amazing the protocol that they went through because they so reverenced the scripture. Mm. And I think that begins as as the attitude we've got to approach you know etiquette. Mm-hmm. And, so why would we take sacred. this lightly? Why would we mm-hmm. take this lightly? And and I realize today we're all into casual. Right. You can be casual with your clothes and still be sacred Absolutely. with your presentation. But I think that that's got to remain in the idea of those that are delivering or even stepping up to, to do prayer or stepping up to lead worship. It's in everything you it, do. It, in anything that we do that's in the house of God ought to be considered as a sacred event. And so how it looks and how it functions, mm-hmm. it's fashion and function, it's presentation and purpose, is so important to God. We should make it important. Absolutely. Well, and going back to what uh, Paul said, he said to be the example. So it's not just behind the pulpit. Right. It's not it's not just in the the preaching of the word, it's in how you treat your family. Right. Absolutely. Because you're an example to the other family members. Absolutely. You're an example to the other families in your church. Um, I think it's it's wise to be seen praying. You don't do it. You don't, we say you don't pray to be seen, but you better be seen praying. I think it's wise for a minister to be seen praying with his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times, and I know it's busy. Church work is very busy. Sundays are the busiest day of the week for us, but it's easy to uh, come to church and the minister go one way and his wife go the other way. And we're all taking care of duties, right. but we have to remember we are still setting an example Yes. So there are times we have to come together and be seen That's together, a good point. be seen praying with uh, as a couple, be seen praying with your family, with your children. I think it's important that ministers be seen uh, caring for their wife, Absolutely. for their children. Yes, uh, I think it's important that a minister never make jokes or tell a story at someone's expense. Mm. Family or otherwise, yes. uh, God didn't give you your family for ser- sermon material. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes what you may find funny mm-hmm. may be offensive to them, right. whether it's your family or someone else in the yeah. church. So if you want to use someone's story as an example, I think it's it's uh, wise to ask them first yes. right. and to get that cleared, right. to get that That's cleared. Things are going to happen. <clears throat> Again, I said I couldn't be in your shoes because I couldn't string all my words together like you all can, but you're going to make mistakes. You're going to forget somebody's name. <laughs> all the time. You're going to mispronounce some word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so important to learn that it's not the end of the world. Absolutely. Lighten up. And laugh at yourself. If you make a funny mistake, and you're going to, the congregation is going to laugh. They're not going to act like they didn't hear that. It's funny. We're going to laugh. So it's up to you whether we laugh with you (laughs) or we laugh at you. Yeah. Mm. If we laugh with you, we're all part of the joke. Yeah. If we laugh at you and you're uptight, you just became the joke. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want that. So like no. it's not right. the end of the world. Right. We don't know how to pronounce biblical names, most of us. Oh mm-hmm. man. So just say it. Pronounce it or skip it. 
Pronounce it and go on. Nobody knows it's a problem unless you make it a problem. Right, right, right. I've heard messages where uh, you've pronounced a name in the message two or three different ways in the message. (laughs) Unless you point it out, most people aren't going to notice it. It's just going to go. We don't know how to pronounce it either. Yeah, Mephibosheth. (laughs) Mephibosheth. Is it Philistine or Philistine or Philistine? Ooh, got all of them. Well, and I think a part of it too is there. There is a level of uh, importance, and you know, having reverence for the role of a minister. But just like you said, I think we need to remind ourselves that we are still human. Absolutely. And we can have a good time in yes. church. Yes, yeah. absolutely. We can tell stories. You know, we can we can do different things mm-hmm. yeah. to make it interesting. Amen. Exactly, exactly. I think that's where a good wife comes in, is so you don't take yourself so seriously. Mm-hmm. Yes, this yeah. is a great calling. This is a great weight, but we're still human. We are. Absolutely. Jesus laughed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Jesus had a good time on earth. He was called a wine yeah. bibber. He was called a, a party goer. <laughs> uh, so I think we can have fun at church. Yes. We can have fun in life. Oh, yeah. We don't just sit at home in our suit on the couch mm-hmm. 24-7. Um, and I think that's where uh, it's good. A lot of people talk about trying to balance home and ministry or family and ministry. And I think balance is a misnomer because to to uh, say that you're going to balance the two is to indicate that you're giving equal time to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that also that also is to indicate that there is a difference between your ministry and your family. Yeah. And I believe your family should be your ministry. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's one of the best things in the world. One of the best blessings I ever got was to be raised in the home of my pastor that was mm. going to give an account for my soul. And now I'm married to my pastor who's going to give an account. There's no safer place to be. Right. And uh, yeah. so I think we should, we, we take it seriously. We love it, but uh, we also have a good time with it. Absolutely. And I think it's um, in that, uh, what I said was a misnomer of trying to balance home and uh, family and ministry is to understand that ministry is family. Yes. And family right. is ministry. Yes. And so we t- we take that time. We're not, you're not studying 24 seven. Right. You're not preaching constantly. Uh, one thing we did when our kids were little is when you would preach a, a, a camp, if we had a busy camp season, we always would try to take a couple days on either side of it. Mm-hmm. And we turned it into a vacation. And I remember one year we were going to actually take a vacation without it being around a camp. <laughs> David, you were little. And uh, I asked you, would you like to go see the Grand Canyon? And you, your response was, where's daddy's going to preach? <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't a weighty thing. It wasn't a hard thing. Yeah. It was a joyous yeah, thing. Yeah. So uh, I, we need to remember to have joy along the well, way. And that, that's, we've said it before on this podcast that you can't, there, it's an impossibility to balance uh, home life and ministry. Right. It's blending right. home life and ministry. Absolutely. Right. And so I think, and I'm sitting in front of my parents here, I'm sitting in front of the two greatest examples of Look that. Look at you. Look at you. <laughs> I'm getting so many brownie points right now. <laughs> But, High five, honey. <laughs> but what I mean by that is looking back as a kid, you know, church camps were vacation mm-hmm. and it wasn't a bad thing. I was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was, I saw the joys in ministry. I saw the fun that you could have in ministry, yes. which made me want to go into ministry, which worked out because that was the calling that God yes. had on my life. Thank God. 
And so seeing that, and that's like to you ministers, you leaders, you husbands and wives, do that to your children. Yes. They may not grow into ministry, but they're going to have an appreciation for Absolutely. it. They're Absolutely. They're going to respect Absolutely. it. They're going to be a wonderful saint and a wonderful pillar mm-hmm. in the church Amen. because they understand the joys and the fun yeah. of ministry. You know, the foundation of that, David, is uh, enjoying, like you were talking about, enjoying church, enjoying ministry. Uh, for me, I think every young minister is going to come or uh, anyone that works in church work, Anybody that has a ministry in the church is going to come to that moment when they have to take themselves less seriously. Right. And that can only happen when you're confident in who you are. Absolutely. And you know what your calling is and you know what your limitations are. You know, and and, and so you can laugh at yourself. And, uh, but I also think that frees you up to do, to have good manners to have good etiquette right. mm-hmm. because you're comfortable. You're not trying to impress anybody, right. but just simply do your best job in the kingdom. Absolutely. And so I think that's very important. Well, I also think, uh, going back to the same scripture, I love that scripture in First uh, Timothy when it says to, to be the example or to be the pattern. If you had a, uh, if a pastor had a husband and wife in his church that came to him and the wife said, my husband works 20 hours a, a day, Seven days a week, uh, we have no family time. We have mm-hmm. no vacation. We never spend time together. He's never mm-hmm. home. We don't eat together. Uh, you would counsel them to get a different job Absolutely. or to cut back, to right. spend family time. Right. Well, the same thing applies. We're going to be the example. We need to be an example in we have family dinners. Absolutely. We spend time with our family. Uh-huh. We go on family vacation. We spend time to. Right. We have to be that example. Yes. And... Um, and it, it sounds like it doesn't make sense, but it does. That's all part of leadership etiquette. Absolutely. Because the family is just as much of the ministry as the yes, as the man or woman, you know? Absolutely. Yes, and so it's all interconnected. If the family is dysfunctional, then more than likely your ministry will be dysfunctional. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. It, it, uh, moving to a topic that I think is very important part of platform decorum and etiquette and that is every minister should have something to say to give honor Absolutely. when he steps up to uh, the pulpit. Huh. It may not be the same thing every time, especially if you're like a pastor that is working in the, and it, it's not that you do a cookie cutter, I want to give honor to this one, I want to give honor to that one. Well, then it gets one. the same and boring. Yes, it, it, that's not giving honor. Giving honor is speaking expressly to a person. And I know it's really popular, our... our some people consider this giving honor when they step up to the pulpit and they say, I want to give honor to so-and-so. And then they don't say anything. <laughs> they don't actually give honor. They're they not just, actually giving yeah. honor. Um, I think one of the, one of the blessings in, in ministry that I've had opportunity to do is introduce some great preachers. Right. And to a conference. And in my opportunities, I have worked hard on that introduction mm-hmm. to make sure that I'm saying things that I know are true. I w- I've texted the family, tell me this about him. Tell me if I don't know him real well. Right. I want to say things that are true and not just simply blowing smoke uh, and giving a hollow accolades, but rather find out 
say so, if you're if you're a young minister in a church and you step up to a pulpit and you're you're you're, you're not a uh, like a on a regiment where you're preaching every month or you're doing mm-hmm. certain things is that be very diligent to honor your leadership. Absolutely. Yes. I think that that the Bible says to give honor where honor is due. But here's the thing about honor. Honor is not for the person who is the recipient. Absolutely. Honor is for the person who delivers it. Mm-hmm. Because Jesus said the blessing comes from honor. When he went into um, Nazareth, and the Bible says that he could there do no mighty works. Right. It wasn't because of their unbelief. It's because Jesus made this statement, a prophet is not without honor saving his own country. Absolutely. And his own, uh, where he's from. That's his hometown. And so honor is about releasing the blessing mm-hmm. in your life. And well, so it's very important to pay honor. Well, and that I want to speak to like the young ministers because I've gone to a lot of uh, services or something where they've asked me as a young man to do like a keynote and you're given a time slot. <laughs> it's very common. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you've got, you know, 15, 20 minutes to preach. And, you know, at, at, for the first <laughs> eight or six years of me preaching, I I don't think I could ever hit the 15-minute mark. <laughs> but I've seen, and it's a pet peeve of mine, I've seen some guys get up there and just be like, yep, got to give you honor, got to get going because I've only got 15 minutes, you know, got to do this, got to do this, blah, 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 blah. Okay, now let's get to preaching. Like getting it out of the way. Getting it out Let of the way. Let me get this out of the way. And I want to, one thing is you can take your time giving honor. If you mm-hmm. go past 15 minutes by a couple minutes here and there, mm-hmm. it's not going to be that big of a deal mm-hmm. because yeah. you're doing what God's said to do, which yeah. is to give honor. Yeah. And it's just, it's such an important part of the yeah. message that can get overlooked, I think. For those of us here in Indiana that uh, remember Brother Jeff Moses, one of my my, my good friends and a, uh, just a tremendous preacher, I remember he stepped up to the platform and gave honor to two elders in our district. Mm-hmm. At camp meeting one year. At camp meeting one year. It was one of the most heartfelt. Mm. It even makes me feel emotional to talk about it. That stuck in my mind. Right. Yeah, I remember some. Uh, I remember his messages, but the way he detailed his honor to specific people and what he had to say, he thought about it. Mm-hmm. He thought about it, and then he put it into practice. And and so I think I think you ought, ought to spend a little time and deal with honor. Absolutely. I think it's also wise to honor the congregation. Yes, absolutely. Any time, but especially when you preach over and over again repeatedly in your home church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got, I think that's a great opportunity to honor a sound man. Mm-hmm. To honor those that clean the church. Yes. To honor, you can even keep a list and, and honor, like you said, Brother Moses was so detailed in it, rather than just saying this is a great congregation and we appreciate right. you, which we do. Right. Uh, but to to pick out some people. That's a good Be idea. specific. Mm-hmm. That's a very good mm-hmm. idea. Yes, it is. Well, then, uh, kind of going away from that subject, Dad, I've got a couple questions I wanted to ask you. Okay. So you have served in multiple roles throughout ministry, uh, ergo being uh, an evangelist and a pastor in different uh, areas and different churches. So what do you do when somebody from outside the church comes in, and mm-hmm. we've been talking about... Um, having poor etiquette. Mm-hmm. How do you as a pastor deal with that? It depends the level 
of how poor that etiquette was. <laughs> you know, there are some things you can overlook. Somebody that fiddles with his phone all the time. Somebody that is constantly, um, you know, distracted in a way. Uh, a person, let's say, that won't worship with the church. A person that won't, you know, get involved. I let consequences mm. be a part of that. Mm-hmm. And that is... You're gonna you're gonna struggle here. I can just say here at MPC, you're right. gonna you're gonna struggle, right? Because of the nature of our our congregation, that uh, you know our our people are very well versed in scripture, and they're just intellectually connected to to uh, what God is doing in His Word. But if a person steps behind the pulpit and they haven't worshipped, and they haven't been involved in the, then chances are they're going to get very little amens. Right. They're going to say, okay. You know, like you said a while ago, mm-hmm. they're going to... So I, on, on that level, I would just simply let con- consequence. Now, on a deeper level, there are some times that... Uh, I'll tell one story. Uh, we were pastoring in another place, and uh, north, south, east, west of here. We were pastoring in another place, and we had a guest missionary that came. And I love their work, and I love what they were doing. And uh, these were seasoned missionaries, right. not novices. And uh, the the wife, uh, the missionary wife, got up and she did a fantastic job. Our people was touched by what she had to say. And then the, uh, the husband gets up, and he did pretty good for about five minutes. <laughs> and then he went down a trail that was really off. Off Kelter. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that it was a doctrinal, uh, off doctrinally. He was making fun of his the people in his he mission was, field. He was making fun of the people in mm-hmm. mission field and talking derogatory, derogatorily. Yes. Yeah. Der- thank you, honey. <laughs> derogatorily about the the people in his country, right. about their hygiene, mm. about different things. And he, and it was just like going on and on and on. And so where I was sitting on the platform, I could not directly see uh, Faith. I couldn't directly see my wife. She was a piano player. So I had to lean over <laughs> to the side, and I made the motion with my hands like I was playing the piano. And I ignored you. You did. You ignored <laughs> me. And this is what I, uh, we have a very hard time reading lips, but I made it crystal clear that anybody that saw me could know that what I was mouthing <laughs> was come and play. Play him down. Come and play. Mm. And <laughs> eventually she did come and she just started playing. And as soon as she started playing, I stepped up and said, thank you. Appreciate that. And took over the service. Right. But um, that's an extreme case. Right, right. That that rarely has happened. Uh, but uh, We've had it happen a couple times on the other side when we evangelized. Mm. Yes. And uh, we evangelized back in the day when uh, different churches have different platform guidelines, right. different guidelines. absolutely. Holding mm-hmm. the standards, and that's completely, that's up to that pastor. Right, yeah. But... Um, we would we always tried to be very careful, but even being as careful as we could, there were still times that uh, we would be pulled aside. Mm. Usually, me <laughs> be pulled aside and say, uh, "You know, we, we teach our women not to wear their hair down." Was one of them. 
we teach our women not to wear the color red was another one. Just just different things that that I hadn't experienced. Right. And so in that moment, you've got the the choice of I'm here and this is what I do and I'm going to be okay. I'm mm-hmm. just going to keep on going. And you hurt your husband's ministry, right? Or you negate your message that mm-hmm. you've preached, or you apologize and don't do that again. So I I think we need to be aware of. Uh, that, that's good etiquette. It is good it's etiquette. Good well, to, to well then mindful. going off of that track, Mom, I'll ask you the same question here in a moment. So in that time when you were being an evangelist mm-hmm. and you're going to a new location that okay. you've not been before, how? what is your preparation for that in, right. in terms of etiquette? Not yeah. in sermons or like that. What's your preparation to be ready for that we, church? We had our first night outfit. <laughs> That first was, night outfit. That was clothing, yes. Yeah, clothing. We <laughs> right, had our first right. night out outfit that we usually wore until we can see what, what kind of attire that they w- would wear there. Why? Because we wanted to be effective. Not because we wanted to be, oh, we're going to do it our way, don't give a care of what you're doing. Right. And uh, usually the first night, I you know, I'm preach what God wants me to preach. I don't Absolutely. mean, I don't mean right, that. Absolutely, right, right. But I was very careful in any message. Uh, I didn't feel like it was my calling to to preach holiness or to right. preach certain uh, eschatological, uh, theological understandings of revelation. It wasn't my uh, that wasn't who I was. I was there to edify the church. Mm-hmm. I think that that ought to be at the core of how a young evangelist approaches. Uh, their etiquette or platform decorum is that I am here to edify the church. Right. Now, a more seasoned evangelist that has been going for a while has a little bit more license to 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 maybe get more uh, plain, blunt, whatever the case may be. I, I see that as in, like, you've been to that location numerous times. Yes. You, you've yes. made a connection with that yes. church. I understand that, yes. you, sir. And and uh, there have been times when uh, I knew what I felt like God wanted. One particular church we went to was a, uh, uh, I felt in my spirit, it's been years ago, but I felt in my spirit the Lord had told me and, uh, that this was their season for revival. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, we prayed and God started moving and we had a great Wednesday through Sunday revival. I'm talking about. They talked about how they not had not seen this in a long time. Right. And so I knew that God wanted to go on, but I didn't go to the pastor and say, "I think what God needs to go on." Mm-hmm. Okay, I think we need to move on. But He came to me and He said, "Let's go one more night." We went one 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 more night and it stopped, and my heart was broken mm-hmm. because I felt like. Uh, maybe something was missed, right. but I didn't. I didn't feel like I had the authority or the right because when you go to another church and you're ministering, I certainly believe in apostolic authority, but I also believe in apostolic submission. Absolutely. So I come to that church submitted to that pastor, mm-hmm. and so he has to give an account for those sheep. Absolutely. I have to give an account to him. Right. So I have to be very careful with what I say, what I do, uh, a person coming in and know, if I know that there's something that they think differently than I do, I'm not going to get up and say, as as one man said here, this church, when Papa was pastor, it said this, he said, 
I know that Brother Walls doesn't believe this, but <laughs> he started preaching on that. Yeah, that's that's, that's kind of tough. So, so from that, how would you handle in the times that a pastor would come up to you and say, "Hey, this was wrong," or "Yes, sir." In, in, yes, sir. The, you just yes, sir. I'll give you another another illustration, and where I thought I was right and the pastor was wrong. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we went to a, a, a different church, and uh, we felt, again, felt like this was a time for revival. And so uh, uh, Mom and I started fasting, and I told the pastor, I said, we're going to be fasting during this revival for your church. We believe God wants to do something great here. And so we're going to be, so we won't be going out to eat afterwards. We won't. And I think this was a Tuesday through Sunday. I don't remember. But anyway... It was one or two nights. Mm-hmm. I think it was, we, we did that Tuesday night and Wednesday night. That's back when we had revivals that lasted all week long. We did that Tuesday night, Wednesday night. And so uh, Thursday, before service or after the service, he said, we're really missing going out to eat with you. Why don't you just quit your fast and come on, let's go out to eat. Mm. You know what I did? I submitted okay okay you want to go out to eat i Mm -hmm. I thought then and they had given us other indications of you know where they were right and so we just said okay we'll do our job and go on well it's not just for uh evangelists it's for any minister right right speaking at another church and i think this is very simplistic but just ask Mm -hmm. because sometimes especially um when you've been uh, at your local church for so long, we just assume that everybody else does it the way that we do it here right. because we're doing the best we can, so we figure that uh, that's just how people do Absolutely. it. Absolutely. And I think it's it's just, again, simplistic, but wise to ask. Mm-hmm. Uh, not every pastor wants you to go lay hands on their people. Right. So before you pray in the altar with them or before you just assume, oh, they're laying hands on people, I need no. to get up there, ask. Yeah. Uh, before you go and uh, if you're a singer, before you go play their instrument, ask mm-hmm. or you know ask before you just That's assume to go sit on the platform. Even if you are an invited speaker, before you just assume I'm just going to walk in and go up there and sit. Right. Go sit in the pew and let them ask you. Right. Yes. That's, so that's a very good. So one. in from that, you know, the wife is just as important in this ministry as the minister. So mom, how would you prepare as an evangelist's wife for? going to a new church like that? Because I know you've actually been, <laughs> got the business end on a lot of that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so how, how would you prepare for that? And then how would you handle when a pastor would come and say those kinds of things to you? Well, I prepared through trial and error because uh, I didn't have a whole lot of experience. I didn't have any experience. Uh, but now I've kind of distilled it down. And that's what I do is ask, is there anything I can do? How do you handle this? Um, I usually ask the minister, even still today, this is just what mm-hmm. I do. When I uh, meet the minister's wife, the pastor's wife, I ask, uh, do you want me to sit with you? Where would you like for me to sit? Mm-hmm. I mean, even things like that matter to some yes. people. Right. Yeah. Um, do you, um, you know, do you mind if I pray in the altar? Do you mind if I pray with your people? Do you mind? You're never going to go wrong by asking permission. Mm-hmm. Right. And I know sometimes it seems silly, but, uh, like Dad said, you're submitted to the the ministry of that church, and I don't want to do anything that uh, hurts what he's preached. I don't want to do right. anything right. that that harms the message. So uh, we ask, we ask. Um, 
the you said I was on the business end of it. I was on a lot of it, and that was back in the evangelizing days. And I don't know if we've uh, matured and learned some things, or if maybe <laughs> times have changed. <laughs> I'm I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But uh, I learned to um, hide hurt feelings because it was embarrassing. It's been mm. it's oh, embarrassing to bet. be told. Absolutely. Uh, I remember, and I'll just tell it because uh, these people are. Uh, dead and gone now it's been a long time ago (laughs) they can't stick up for themselves let's get them (laughs) but we were uh, very young we were preaching in a church up north and we actually left our travel trailer uh at at one place and just we were just traveling out of a suitcase just for this one revival because they had an evangelist quarters we were going to stay at so i packed light and I just took one pair of church shoes for the services that we were going to be there. And, and that first night, I didn't know that about asking yet. So that first night, um, I, uh, they asked me to sing, to testify and to sing. So I went to the pulpit mm-hmm. and testified and sung. And so after church, the pastor called me in the office. And I had worn my hair down. That was wrong because that meant you were not submitted to your husband. <laughs> I had worn sandals, which they did not wear sandals you can't allow your toes to show. I had on a red blouse. The red blouse was wrong. Goodness, mother. And I had all at stu- one time. All at one time. <laughs> wow. And I had stood behind the pulpit, and the pulpit was for the sacred speaker only. Man, you had the four p. <laughs> it was. It was. It was bad. It was a low point, <laughs> and uh, I probably didn't handle it very well. I apologized. Apologized, and we were invited back later. And when we went back, that hair was up, and I had on pumps and. <laughs> Probably wore black. I'm not sure. <laughs> and 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 to me, okay, if the church wants to preach those things in their local assembly, that's fine. But that brings confusion, not order. And so, uh, I, you know, I give them that. Uh, kind of has a leaves a, a bad taste in your mouth. One thing that we've learned from these experiences, we're not perfect at it. Right. But when a guest comes. We want to alleviate all those questions. Absolutely. That's good. We That's want to good, alleviate yeah. so when they step in, they know where they're going to be sitting, mm-hmm. what's going to be going on, what's the order. And so, you know, they are better prepared right. to have good etiquette because so, we set them up. We right. want us to set them up to succeed. Right. And to bless our church. And to bless our church, mm-hmm. yeah. Right. Absolutely. So then do you think it is a pastor's uh, obligation to do that for a guest speaker coming in to make sure that they know this, that, oh, hey, you know, just so you know, yeah. okay, in your case, mother, <laughs> we don't wear red. We don't wear sandals, yeah. you hippies. Here's our <laughs> list of don'ts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and thank the Lord we've come a long way since right, then. Right, right. This come has a very, been almost 40 years yeah, ago. We've this, come a long yeah. way. Times have changed. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've got a little bit more wisdom about us. Right. And we understand this. I think... That uh, there is pastoral etiquette to a guest pre- preacher coming in. Yes, sir. So I believe that as a pastor, I need to make sure that that guest feels as welcome mm. as removing every obstacle that I can. Yes, sir. For the exact reason that uh, was just spoken a while ago, while ago uh, by Sister Gill, and that is we want them to feed our flock. Right. I don't want them to worry about finances. I don't want them to worry about where we're going to be eating, what's going to be going on, what is our protocol. So we try to answer those questions up front so that they can better be prepared. So the etiquette thing in guest preaching goes both ways. Right. It's Absolutely. not just one way. I'd like to tag in on that, too. As a pastor, 
pastor's wife, pastor's family, um, <clears throat> every man, every minister matters. Absolutely. Every guest matters. So we don't treat our guests different. Right. If we've got a young young minister coming in preaching a youth service, we treat him with the same respect. Absolutely. And the same uh, etiquette. The same. We try to be just as welcoming as some. I hate to use the term big name, but we we don't we don't treat them differently. Right. Yeah. I think that's wise because I also think that for a young minister that's just starting preaching, that raises you a little bit. Yes. Into okay, this is what they're expecting of me, mm-hmm. so I need to come with a higher form of etiquette. Mm-hmm. I need to come prepared for such things. Absolutely. Another thing about leadership etiquette is that you have to find what works for you. Right. You know, right. different things work for different people. There are some people that are, you know, younger, older ministers, whatever, that just don't have a wife yet or don't have that helpmate <laughs> or someone that can, you know, mm-hmm. help them out in the ways that they can look. I know my wife is always picking lint off my back, <laughs> off awesome. my jacket, always, all <laughs> the time. <laughs> and, and so, you know, a lot of people don't have that ability. One thing that's always worked for me is I look in the mirror when I'm ready, about to go to church, and I look from top to bottom, bottom to top. Okay, so what do I mean by that? I look at my hair. Is it fixed? Have I combed it? Has it got you know hair product? Whatever. Am I clean shaven? Is my tie straight? Is it not crooked? Is my shirt ironed? Is my jacket right? It, do, does my belt fit properly? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is mm-hmm. it not old and dingy? Are my pants too tight? Are my pants too big? Are they sagging? Are my shoes scuffed? <laughs> yes, yes. Are all my shoes dirty? <clears throat> Is there too much of my socks showing when I stand up or sit down or whatever? And then vice versa, go back up. And it's just a way to look over yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, am I doing, am I looking right? Yeah. Am I looking proper yeah. in what I need to do? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. something that's just worked for me. And, and I've, that's fantastic because you're, 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 you're making sure that your presentation, the hours you spend, that we did in the last podcast on mm-hmm. sermon prep, the hours you spent on that is negated right. if we don't care about our appearance mm-hmm. and our mannerisms and what we do. Real quick, if I can just say one thing to a young minister, this is one of the only advice that dad's given me to when I've gone out and preached at a church before. He said, son, there's two things that people notice. And that's your shoes and your vehicle. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Keep if it clean. Keep them clean <laughs> and keep them shining. Because yeah. if your shoes are dingy and dirty, they see that. And if your car is a hunk of junk, mm-hmm. they see that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It matters. It matters. And it I, matters. It's so important to have uh, somebody's voice in your life. Like you mentioned, uh, some that don't aren't married yet. Um, married or not, I think it's important to have a mentor that's older than you. Yes, absolutely. Uh, have your pastor. I think your pastor's voice should be in your life. I think you should have, um, we always did this. We, we put ministers in mm-hmm. the lives of our family members yes. and other ministers. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> have people that, that uh, can talk to you and that you will listen to. Right. Yeah. I heard Brother uh, Tim Hammond preach one year. I believe it was youth convention. And he said, you need a minister in his life needs someone that knows him, K-N-O-W, knows him, and that will he will allow to know, N-O, him. Mm. He says you've got to have people that yes. know your life and then can tell you no, mm, that can good. call you and say, are you praying? Are you fasting? 
I need yeah. to know. That's you good. need to have that in your life, I believe. Absolutely. And uh, this has been fantastic, and we want to help you. This conversation uh, is something that I think every man of God, every lady that is used by God, uh, our leader in ministry, needs to stop and think about their appearance, about their mannerisms. And if I, if I could just kind of summarize a few things that, that we've talked about, that um, uh, platform etiquette, pulpit decorum starts in the pew. Mm-hmm. Yes. It starts with a, 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 a speaker's worship, a speaker's involvement, singing, lifting up your voice with the, the praise team. Uh, you know, watch the talking. It's it's a it's a pet peeve of mine to watch ministers that are on the platform just talk and talk. And I've gone to places where I've sat with folks that I I had to get up and move because all they did was want to talk mm-hmm. and talk and talk and talk. And that's distraction. Here's a big thing for me is that say amen, get with the preacher like you want others to get with you. Right. Respond how you would like to have response. Well, that's and, like what uh, mom said. The level of engagement that you put in is the level of engagement that you get that out. That you get, mm-hmm. get out. And uh, I, I think that, that that not only is is that etiquette in the, in the pew, but it's also in the altar area, the way you in, interact in the altar area. Don't, don't, when, the, when the prayer time comes and people are in the altar praying... Uh, a young man of God doesn't need in the back talking to his buddies. Mm-hmm. He needs to be in the altar right. praying Absolutely. with those that need. Get engaged is is very important. Your, I think your job's not finished just because you finished your message. Absolutely. And, and and this is not spiritual, but it is definitely important. It's good to have some breath mints in your pocket. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, True. Especially like that. Altar. Put them in your left pocket because you're shaking hands with your right hand. <laughs> well, tell them all my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. I, I, I do that. I, Absolutely. I'll, I'll, but um, Man, Mom, we've loved having you today. Oh, yes. It was so you. much fun. Thank you. We thank you. We really love what you've had to say, and we hope thank that you. it's encouraged a minister out there, a leader so. out there. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming again and listening to another episode of Kingdom Link. We hope you've been inspired, that you're ready to just seize the world. There's some great things coming out of you leaders. Amen. And remember, here at Kingdom Link, we believe that leadership only matters if it is passed on. Amen. So pass it on today.